How's everybody doing? Welcome to another show of No Ideas Original Sports. I'm Kiyada. I'm here with Reem and Theo. How y'all doing this week? All is good, brother. Oh, that's good. We had, a, listen, we had a good week in sports this week. I just want to start off with revisiting the Super Bowl. I think we all kind of lost. We were going for the, the Chiefs and Theo was going for whoever's against Tom Brady. <laughs> so we all kind of lost on that one. I mean, I was just surprised by how bad a beat was. That, that was surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I predicted the Chiefs would win, but at the same time, I'm not completely surprised that the Bucks won. But like you said, I'm surprised by the beating that uh, that the Chiefs took. I mean, they not only did they lock down Hill, they locked down Kelsey, they locked down everybody you could think of. <laughs> you know, it was pretty bad. I wasn't expecting that. I thought uh, Kansas City would win in a in a high scoring game, like a close game. Or if anything, I thought worst case scenario in terms of predictions that the Bucs will win, but in a high scoring game. But to see the Chiefs just get pretty much dominated, I don't know. So it's almost a bit concerning because is it one of those things where the Chiefs got exposed, or was it just they completely got out coached? A little bit of both. I don't know. What do you think, Theo? Uh, uh, the win of the game was not just surprising either way. Um, I was more disappointed in Andy Reid, who made no adjustment. He was like the energy that fell down to his mental adjustment, you know, missing silky linemen. He helped on detention. And he just, you know, just did Mahomes. No tight end help on the protection. You don't go big. Nothing left, nothing left for it. No consequences at all. I bet he thought that his team was talented. He just, you know, I bet he just took it on. And, and, Calling the Buccaneers defense when it didn't happen. So I really think Henry Reed's not adjusting to help his O line protect better. You know, not giving what the Buccaneers uh, are giving them, which is the run game. They're playing a couple of two shells, but we all see that. You know, the tough four was working so well. Um, but give the Buccaneers credit, man. They were, they were, it was on point. They were clicking. But the Mah- in the two time when Mahomes did have time to pass the ball, nobody was open. It was open to dropping the ball. That's true. Yeah. Now, you know, it's funny. I thought it would be the opposite. I, I thought that um, it would be a high-scoring game. I thought that the Bucks receivers would be the ones dropping the balls. I mean, you even had um, Kelsey drop a first-down play that was that was a key play for them moving the ball. And the offensive line was just terrible. So we, we'll have to see if they can show up that line and get, like you said, I think you mentioned it last week, Theo, about the running game or something. Which never happened or something. Yeah. We'll have to see about the Chiefs next year. For one thing I, I would like to see him do more of is maybe throw a couple of screen passes, but I guess it's hard to throw screen passes when they don't have to respect the running game, right? So you can't really throw a screen on play action pass. Um, yeah, the, the Chiefs, they, they had their work cut out for them in the offseason. I think they'll still be a good team, but. I'm sure other teams are watching too. The, the, the film is out there now on what you do to attempt to beat them. But does every team have the personnel of the Bucks in order to execute it? Right. Um, I got a few things after I need to say that I need to address. Uh, okay, number one. It, I'm amazed how a head coach who's known for having a, a, a screen heavy uh, playbook. There's no, there's no skills at all throughout the entire game. Yeah. I'm puzzled, I'm puzzled by that. Number one. Okay, number two. Is Great Hill exposed? Because all he does is outrun you, whether it's a deep post or a slant or a, a, or a reverse deep hop. Where was his right running tree at to get open the entire game? He showed no route running tree whatsoever that entire game, let alone his career. Okay. You're right. I mean about that. Everything the Tyreek everything is gonna outrun you with a tweak, repose, shallow pose, drag, slant, that's it. And that was all lot. Did he adjust? No, he didn't adjust. But did he get exposed as far as his uh, activity to get open besides 
doing deep pose, shallow pose for swing. I mean, a, 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 a drag snatch. See, a, like a few players where they attempt to, to run like a reverse to get Hill, just get the ball in his hands. Thought they had a little bit of success with it, but not too much. Um, but yeah, uh, the Bucks definitely, definitely shocked me in the fashion that they won for sure. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go after another receiver because you know between what you're saying again about Hill with the route running, the other guys didn't really do anything, and Watson, Sammy Watkins was hurt, so. They'll probably, I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking for another receiver, for a number two receiver, some kind of a possession receiver, somebody to help them move chains, like you said, that can run the routes and stuff like that. So I, I, I could definitely see them doing that because I was watching the game and I'm like, similar to what you're saying is that they only, they, you featuring the tight end and the speedy, basically the deep receiver. There's no possession. I didn't see any possession receiver on the other side to be able to, you know, to move the chains. Right. So that that's definitely something that, that that's a concern. So this week, um, you know, more Texans drama. J.J. Watt asked out of, out of the Texans, and they gave him his release, basically. I mean, I, I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for him. Do we think J.J. Watt has a lot left in the tank, or what do we think about the Texans situation? What's going on in the I mean, I'm not surprised that he asked out. Like you said, it's, it's a bit of a mess over there right now. I think he still has some uh, some uh, left in the tank, some gas in there, if you, if you will. But <clears throat> if I'm him, I, I would probably potentially consider, uh, consider retiring. Unless you can latch on with a contender, maybe the, even though they don't necessarily need him, but maybe the Chiefs or, you know, somebody, Green Bay, somebody who's definitely a contender, you latch on with them and try to get a ring out of it. But other than that, um, I, I say he, call, he needs to call it a career, um, personally. Not because he's finished, but he, he had a successful career, walk away while you're still relatively healthy, I guess. Um, unless you, again, can get on with a contender and make a, championship run. Uh, I think he has more left in the tank. Um, I don't think he's going to play a sticky snap. He's saying that in his prime, but, you know, maybe 335, 40 top by the game. With the right fit, right team, maybe that team had to let that lose his head. <clears throat> I'm sure for sure with his brother. He got a good defense as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe the Buccaneers. You never know. You know, Buccaneers, they could get good fit over there too as well. But I mean, if he wanted to uh, accept, I guess, the reduced role, so to speak, as far as snaps concerned, he has nothing to prove. You know, he's just played by Hall of Fame, he's been great with his career. So he's nothing to prove that he's out there to keep snaps. But uh, maybe the 40 snaps per game, right fit, right team, who's there, that could have happened. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that the, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Bills are like some primary teams in Tennessee shown interest. I mean, the Steelers, like you said, Kareem, would be ideal just because it's a good story because TJ's there and what's up I'm seeing, um, Derek's there too, so both of his brothers play for the Steelers. So that would be kind of like a feel-good story. I don't know if they're ready to be a Super Bowl contender, but I mean, you got the Bills, who was him who were moving forward. You got the Browns, well, we don't know which Browns team's going to show up from year to year, but <laughs> you, got the, you got the Bills, you know, that they could probably use them too. And Tennessee, they definitely need a pass rush. I don't think it worked out too well bringing it on Clowney this year. But I think they, they, I don't know how many sacks he had, but we didn't hear too much about Clowney's pass rushing this year. So I'm sure they'll be in the market for, for another another pass rusher. So we, we had a big trade where we had, which we usually don't have. We had a, a swap of quarterbacks, but we had Matthew Stafford go to Detroit and Jared Goff go to the Rams. Do we think that Matthew Stafford is enough to, to get the, the Rams back in the Super Bowl conversation? Mm, I personally don't. Um, I mean, I, I would say he's a good quarterback, um, but how much better than golf is he, you know? Plus, I know he's had um, some injury concerns here and there, but I guess playing the quarterback position, who hasn't? But when you consider how much they gave up just to get him, too, you know, 
I, I think the Rams uh, probably lost that trade. They gave up a lot to Detroit. They gave up, a, a to me, a, a quality quarterback as well as multiple picks, etc. And I, again, I think he's a good quarterback, Stafford, but I don't know if he's that guy that pushes you over the edge. Um, I think he's almost the same as, as golf, to be honest with you. So it may be a lateral move, I think. I think he's an upgrade. I think he's uh, more accurate. He's definitely more tougher of the two than Kirk. Um, I think he can be around better talent than has Detroit with the access to as well. And um, plus, the Rams won football too as well. So, them having, I bet, they won the game mentality will help them, I bet, Kirk is attempt. Unlike uh, Detroit, we won the ball 50 times a game. So they had to spend all the minutes for them to win at the very so well. The Rams, maybe 30 attempts per game, 25 per game. The Rams do focus on the football as well. They have great defense. They are ready, they are ready to win team right now. And play yeah. through, uh, they don't go there that far. At least they go to the NFC Championship at least. I mean, I, I look at it like this. I think that... Um... Cooper Cup and Woods are good receivers. I think that um, Van Jefferson is going to have to step up, the guy they drafted this year, because, I mean, although I like those two guys, I mean, I don't really see either one of them as being, I mean, maybe maybe a low-tier number one receiver, but I don't really see Woods or Cup as number one receivers. I don't know if Van Jefferson is either. You might have a bunch of twos, but they'll need to, need to improve that. Stafford definitely has a much better arm than Goff. That's 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 true, and, and the running game, and I think the, the offensive line is probably better too. And he, I think Detroit, listen, I think Detroit basically for them is just a money seems like a money dump and try to rebuild situation. I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if at some point down the line in a year or two they just ate the rest of that golf contract, and if they still drafted a quarterback in this draft, because I don't think they see golf as the long term future for them, but. I think Stafford's an upgrade. I just think that even if you upgrade the quarterback, you got a guy that can throw the ball further, maybe, you know, more accurately. Do you have enough weapons around them, you know, as far as the passing game to get it? The tight end is pretty good, and you got two receivers, and they drafted a guy. So I don't know what the, the receiver depth is like on there. But the, the play calling is usually generally good. I'm sure it'll probably open up a little more because I don't think they, they, you know, tried as many plays that they'll try with Stafford that's with golf. So, yeah, I'd say, uh, like, McVay is pretty good in terms of head coach. He's creative, um, so he may get, get better production out of Stafford. Like you say, his usage rate should be down uh, compared to Detroit where he was throwing the ball, like you said, 50 times, whatever it is. The only thing I would say is with a guy that's throwing that much, granted he didn't have maybe the best weapon, but a guy throwing that much, he should be lead, leading the league in, in yardage, shouldn't he? He was up there. I mean, I his receivers. You throwing the ball three times. You should, you should be, you know, definitely at the, the top of the list. To his credit, he had two two thousand yard receivers. So that that was and that worked out for him. He did. He was up there, but I think like like Theo said, or you you might have said he, he was injured a lot too. I think he missed quite a few games this year too. That's the yeah. That's the concern I have with him but his durability but you could make that claim probably about most quarterbacks in the league um, all it takes is that one hit yeah. so the NFL this week we had the Hall of Fame inductees again around the Super Bowl time this was a big week we put Megatron in we got Drew Pearson Charles Woodson Alan Fanica and John Lynch um I'm, I'm good with all of those guys. I mean, they, you know, they all seem to have listened to Compton a lot in their career. Pretty accomplished standouts. I mean, Megatron, it was, to me, I, I was his, his, I think his whole, his whole demeanor with being fed up with Detroit, similar to Barry Sanders, you know, I, I would have loved to see him be on another team or play more years. You know, man, same thing with Barry Sanders, that does, the Lions kind of wear it, wear it out of you. And then both those guys, from what I understand, the team refused to trade him, so that was that issue. Drew Pearson, Theo's got to know about that. That's a 
cowboy right there. So that's one of Theo's guys. Charles Woodson, I mean, he's today. I remember Charles Woodson with the rose on the rose in his mouth and a couple Michigan so Panica, offensive line, which we know we know about him, man in it for years, and John Lynch. We know we definitely know about him in our back out there and um, with the DB. So I'm I'm fine with those guys. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. I'm fine with all of those selections. I'm probably the happiest for Megatron, though, seeing him get in just for the fact that he pretty much suffered all those years in Detroit, right? Like you said, Detroit has a way of seemingly sucking the life out of players. So I'm probably the happiest for Megatron, but I don't disagree with any of the selections. I would say they, they, they're all deserving, you know? Yeah, I agree. No issues over here. They're all deserving. They're all been great. Uh, I think he finished the video many years ago. Honestly, um, Charles Wilson been great as a cornerback. Austin has been great. It really went. Alan Fanica has been a dominant all line. Alan has been great. The Buccaneers, the World Champion. You know, so I mean, everybody on this, like, like uh, another set is deserving. Could be, uh, could be in there as well. This was there. Yeah, this was one time I think they got it right. I mean, every you know, every once in a while we'll look at a list and be like, wait a minute, how's this guy getting getting in there? Or does he deserve it? But these guys seem like they they wish that they really deserve it. So this week in the NBA, we had a we had a trade where the Knicks got brought in Derrick Rose. So basically, he was saying, well, what I would amount to be nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, I personally think it's a great trade. I've been a fan of Derrick Rose all the way through. I'm on the Derrick, Derrick Rose's biggest fan. And I, I think he still has a lot in the tank. I think he has a lot to offer, offer the team as far as, like, working with Tibbs, how to Tibbs system, and just overall leadership of guys, like, quickly and stuff like that. I mean, I know both you guys, both of you guys probably have a lot more insight into what you guys think, you know. Derrick Rose will mean to the Knicks. I mean, I'm I'm excited about it for the reasons uh, you just mentioned. Mentoring, I think Derrick Rose still has some game left too. He's not, you know, just there to, to mentor. I think he can still play. Um, I guess one of the somewhat concerns is whose minutes does he take away? Just based on what we've seen so far, Austin Rivers kind of seems like the odd man out of the rotation so far. Me personally, I would probably like to see that even though he's been playing well the last few games, I would probably like to see that odd man out as Alfred Payton. <laughs> I'm not a fan of his, but he has played well over the last few games. But Derrick Rose, um, like you said, I think he'll be a good mentor to the young guys, Toppin, quickly, uh, Barrett, playing within Tibbs' system. And I think he still has game left. Can he play 40 minutes and carry a team? Probably not. I think he can give you a good 25 minutes or so of quality production scoring off the bench. Um, so I'm excited about it, especially the fact that we didn't give up much. We gave up a second rounder, Dennis Smith Jr., who wasn't in the rotation. The Knicks, Tibbs had no you know, plans to include him in the rotation. So it's a good trade, I think. I'm excited for it. Great trade by the Knicks. Give them nothing. Give them back their own draft pick. <laughs> first, like, first two games, he's been very impactful. Come off the bench. And uh, from a coach, when he came, he said that um, he wanted to come to you. Yeah, that's good right there. First, so I guess his mindset is different than, than his first time coming on here. I guess he came the first time. I think I think he wasn't ready yet. far as like, his body wasn't ready yet. He, saw, he had a lot of ups and downs first. First in New York, like, trying to get his legs back together. I guess. I'm gonna get injuries, get his hole. Now that we see uh, a few years after the injury, he's right, he's tight in shape, legs together, you know, so you see more of uh, so called old day rolls in front of the bullpen, sure, so on. Uh, looks good, you see his jump shots, maybe going in. And like, I guess, you know, in bull, he's more of like a super shooter, but uh, it's more particular now than what I've seen in the past. Still explosive, still, still four by people, you know, and, uh, he has a more team-oriented mentality. Back in New York. Plus, uh, 
you raised a good point when you mentioned his body wasn't ready. And the first thing I thought of when you mentioned that is, is uh, I don't think his mind was ready either. Because if you remember during that season, he kind of went on like a mental break. Remember, he stepped away. Right. And right. They, right. They, they, yeah. Here he was for a little while there. Um, he thought about retiring. So yeah. I mindset was ready either. I remember at the start of that season, they were kind of like billed to be like, hey, we got our own big three, right? Me, Carmelo, Chris Stapps, right, was new. But yeah, I don't think his mind was ready either. And I remember watching something after the fact where he was speaking and he, he made some comments where he said he realized a couple of games into the season that the team was basically shit. That the team wasn't anticipated. So from there, uh, throughout the rest of the season, I think he pretty much checked out. Yeah. They weren't as good as they were billed to be. And like you said, physically, he was a different player. And mentally, he was different. But this time around, I think he appreciates it a little more. His body is ready. I think now he's not trying to go over top, you know, and dunk on everybody. And he's kind of matured out of that. So another thing to consider, too, is you have a former MVP who still has something left in the tank going against second unit guys, you know? So that's adding to his his production as well, because the guy can still play former MVP going against a team's backup point guard, backup shooting guard. I mean, I can, I can tell you what I think is going to happen. I mean, for me, I think eventually they will get rid of Alfred Payton. They'll probably move him. But I don't think quickly will be the starter. I think Rose will be the starter. One thing just from watching the games that was saying, I think Quigley eventually become the starter, but one thing from watching the games, even when I'm coming off the bench, and this is what you guys have been talking about all season, the pace is different. The pace of the game is different when Derrick Rose is on the court. Toppin actually looks like a much better player when he plays with Derrick Rose. Robinson looks like a better player when he plays with Derrick Rose. But one thing that Derrick Rose does is he takes guys off the dribble really easily. So the defense sucks into him, so he's able to kick the ball to these guys for dunks, throw hoops, and things like that, and get the other guys easier shots and baskets. I think, think he'll be able to help quickly along, learning how to get that part of the game going, because we all know quickly can get into the paint and score and stuff like that. It's the, it's the other parts where you start getting the other people involved and get, helping them become better players, too. Yeah, what I think he's gonna do for quickly, and this uh, is ironic, is tell quickly to slow down a little bit. So I think quickly, uh, and it's, it's to be expected, right? He's a rookie, but I think he's moving a little bit too fast. Same with Toppin. If you, if you look at these guys, they're out there playing extremely frantic. So I think Derrick Rose is gonna get them to slow down, right? Relax and, and let the game come to you. That's one of the things I think he'll do. Alfred Payton is kind of sort of has that because he's a veteran. But at the same time, Alfred Payton kills him because he has no perimeter game and he just plays at too slow of a pace, I think. Yeah. I don't think their roster is built to play at that pace. I think, you know, what, what, what they did was smart. They went out and they got a couple of guys that like Quigley can shoot. We know Burst can shoot. We know Bullock can shoot. RJ's, everybody to some extent has approved their shooting. Randall can shoot somewhat. So if you get a guy that's running down the court, you get these guys some open looks during the game. They can launch those threes and stuff like that. But when you deliberately pounding it down, the defense gets back, they get settled in and stuff like that. You get deep into the shot clock. So the shots don't look as good. Whereas with somebody that, that can get them in like I hadn't seen, and prior to this week, I hadn't seen Toppin look as well as he looked in a long time. Was a, he looked really good out there with Rose or something. Okay, yeah, with Rose, you mentioned it earlier, Rose can actually break the defense down without the need for a pick. You know, yeah. he can pick his man down off the dribble. And just by doing something that basic, it opens it up for all of those guys, you know? Now you have to converge on Rose getting into the paint, and he's dumping off to Robinson. He's dumping off to, to Obi Toppin. Um, speaking of Robinson, unfortunately, he's out right yeah. now. Broken hand, um, four to six weeks. But yeah, Derrick Rose is gonna he, he's gonna add value. I don't think he's necessarily gonna lock. Like you said, I could see him maybe starting eventually, but I don't think he's gonna lock heavy minutes. But I think he'll he'll be in to probably eventually start the game, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there to finish the game as well. Yeah, 
Because Thibs, you know, Thibs trust them. Just because you go by your system that you already know, personally, Jake was have been with uh, OD and IQ. So you some history guys, man, to be a mentor. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that, see that. And Jack Rose, Bonzo team, and be that mentor young kids coming up who are the for the mix. You know, like, like you guys said, man, you know, it's good to have a guard who can play on the offense, his own shot, and make guys better. So far, the two games so, so far, the two games so far, he's shown that. Yeah. So, moving on to talking about guys that are making teams better and stuff. Right now, we got the, the MVP race. Um, obviously, we got to look at we got to look at the usual characters. We got LeBron always in the mix. Um, I would say Steph is kind of you know in the mix there. He's got to be in the mix. I mean, KD. I would say even yeah, even though he missed a week, KD. Well, even by missing a week, he showed more even more why he probably is in the MVP conversation. <laughs> I mean. Um, I, I think Luca, Luca's definitely in the conversation, and and some of the, you know there's other guys that that are on the fringe. I mean, I wouldn't say that he's quite there yet. I mean, you look at a guy like Donovan Mitchell. I'm sorry, I almost forgot Jokic, who they're winning, so he's definitely in the conversation. But talking to Theo this week, he brought up an interesting point. Does the MVP have to come from a winning team? I personally don't think so. Um, it typically does. I think that adds to it. Like if it's a close race between somebody that's on a, a winning team versus a losing team, I think the edge probably goes to the guy on the winning team. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot Joel Embiid too. I don't want to leave him out. He might search me down and, and send me some messages and Instagram. So you can't leave Joel Embiid out. Yeah, he's he's definitely another guy. Another guy who's. I guess on the outside looking in, I don't see him necessarily winning it a third time would be Giannis, right? It's hard to completely leave him off the list, but I don't see him winning it because um, the Bucks seem to have regressed. But yeah, I, I think MVP can come from a, a losing team, but it, it can't be one of those things where um, the team is just extremely bad. They're terrible, you know? If they're competitive, um, I don't see any reason why, why not. But again, Whoever's on that losing team, I think, has to have uh, like hands down numbers that are better than guys on winning teams. I mean, and I forgot another guy. Um, you got Dame Lillard, and and when we talk about guys on losing teams, I mean, we gotta we gotta talk about Bradley Bill too. Yeah, um, he falls into the category where I was saying his team is just extremely bad, but it's hard to deny the guy's numbers, you know. Yeah, I like to uh, discredit uh, a guy who's, who's a great player in a bad situation. He's kind of fair, you know. So he's not coming every day. Um, he's he's born out, trying to carry his team, but he, he, he can or she can. So I don't want to read that against him. Um, but I do understand both ways, you know. You know like the Bron or the Dr. Payne Blake. So if the Bron is to have the same stats as uh, Steph Curry, you have a better record, then I understand that as well. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like uh, Westbrook, for example, you know, he won because he was doing super doubles for a whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I see that why he won it. If he, didn't, if he wasn't doing that, I don't think he won the one day award, honestly. But he yeah. had a great year doing super doubles. So that's, this is why he won that one. Uh, I, mean, I don't believe in uh, the play on the guy or knocking the guy down because he's playing on the back too. Yeah, because I think the MVP, what, what ends up happening is that your wins are not always tied to your own individual performance. I mean, you look at the talent around some of these guys, and I mean, all the guys that we basically said that the main guys, they have a lot of talent around them. You know, the, well, Lebr- you know, the LeBrons, the KDs, was him Joe Kick, he's got talent around him. I mean Luca Luca to some extent he has some talent around him. I mean these guys all have somewhat I mean a guy like Bradley Bill, I mean you got Westbrook and I and I mean Westbrook is who he is and stuff. You either love him or you hate him. And, it's, you know, and Joel Embiid, he seems to have like they seem to have found the right formula the guys to bring in there, so 
the talent level you have around you, that's the, I mean, we're not giving an MVP award to the GM. Right. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So, another thing that came up was that I think it kind of slipped under the radar. Most people didn't notice. The Mavs hadn't been playing the anthem all throughout the whole season. So, when it first came up, I thought it was just, you know, an isolated thing. I didn't know it was the whole season. Eventually, the NBA put out a statement saying that it's almost required that they went back and playing it. But Mark Cuban's reasoning was that he talked to his players and he talked to the people of the community, and they didn't feel like that uh, the anthem represented. What do you guys think of that? Like you said, I I, I thought it was an isolated uh, thing. I didn't realize it was the entire season. But I like the idea behind it. I mean, Mark Cuban is one of those owners that at least uh, he comes across as being all about the community, all about his team. Uh, so I, I, I like the idea of it. Um, I certainly don't have a problem with it. Yeah, so never did represent the community. And that being said, it's a monetary thing, which is why they were for him when it be played before the game. It's all about the money. Yeah. It's all about the money. Because you guys gonna pay to I guess the government for the state. Or again, so it's all about the money. But the answer is another thing about, you know, the, uh, our own neighbors for the city, that neighborhood, that neighborhood. And it was about that. No. I mean you you figure they're not doing the anthem and they play in American Airlines Arena. So Again, the, the, again, you know, like you said, the morning, you got sponsors. I'm, I'm pretty much sure those American Airlines people probably didn't know either until it came, you know, came to light. So you can start getting sponsorship pressure and all types of other stuff. Then, like, anytime the NBA is getting involved, like you said, you know, you know it's a money thing. Yeah, definitely. In 12 games, a lot of games not noticed that. Well, come on, man. I mean, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. five games. It's all about 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, Kevin Garnett made some comments saying that players from 20 or 30 years ago couldn't play in this era. I mean, for me, I I definitely disagree with that. I 100% disagree with that. I think the only thing that I think that would be hard, I think it would be extremely hard to play defense in this era. Because we're saying 20, 30 years ago, you could put your hands on some people. I mean, some of these guys, when you hear the older guys talk about how much they score, and they say these astronomical numbers, it has nothing to do with people sliding their feet. It has everything to do with people's ability to grab them and tug them, put their hands on them and manipulate them that way. So I, I couldn't see many, at least, I don't know about the regular role players, because the guys are more athletic now, you know, bigger, stronger, faster. But I couldn't see one star player that couldn't come into the league right now and be just as good as, as what they were. Because, yeah, I mean, you could say the same thing in in the reverse, right? Imagine having to defend Jordan where you can't touch him. You know, you can't put your hand on him. Jordan would average 60 points, you know? Imagine having to defend Charles Barkley down low where you can't hand check him. Right? You can't put that arm on him to keep him. Call him alone, right? So you, you can make the case the opposite way around as well. Like you said, I don't know about the average uh, NBA player, but the superstars. What was Shaquille O'Neal average? Six. Yeah, you could. <laughs> you could. Put arm on him and bump him down low. How do you stop him? You know. So the same thing applies for the superstars from that era. You throw them into this era. I think those guys would probably dominate even more. Um, like you said, de- defensively, they will be just like everybody else, maybe struggle a little bit, depending on who they're guarding, who the matchups are. Would Jordan be able to shut almost every two guard down? Who knows, right? Without being able to hand check, get physical. Um, same thing with Isaiah Thomas. You go down the list, right? But I think those guys would definitely still be who they were, if not better in terms of point production and scoring in, in this era. Imagine Magic Johnson throwing the ball, throwing a pass to somebody, and and Worthy not having to worry about getting clotheslined. <laughs> you know how many assists would Magic average? Twenty. Yeah. Twenty-five. Yeah. 
right? Those guys were missing dunks and layups because they asked Kurt Randles, right? <laughs> you know, Teams used to have enforcers. <laughs> exactly. So now you don't have to worry about Rick Mahorn down there taking your head off or Bill Lambeard. What, what would they do? You know, they. So I, I think it goes both ways. I respect Kevin Garnett's opinion a lot of times, but I think uh, in this particular instance, he was probably a, a little uh, a little out of line. Um, I think he's probably just caught up in a moment, if I had to guess. Um, but yeah, the stars will still be stars and probably even better in this era, I would say. Brother, I want you guys to I want two minutes to be out of time. <laughs> both you guys to say yes or no. That's it, okay? Okay. Yeah. It's a case of can these guys play in this era? I'm gonna be not, I'm gonna say no to Isaiah's and Matthew. I'm gonna just a random name. Yes or no can play in this era, okay? Okay. About ten names. Three well. Yes. Yes. Alan Houston. Yes. Yes. Michael Finley. Yes. Yes. Nathan Richardson. Yes. Yes. Mitch Richardson. Yes. So yeah. I'm not going to I'm going down below a little bit. KJ. I'm almost done. Yeah, Kevin Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Van Axel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rod Strickland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, easily. Marbury. Oh, he would kill. Marbury, I was 30. I got three more for you. Abdul Raul. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Barber. The the original Steph Curry, you mean? (laughs) I'm naming so-called, I guess, I get 10 guys. Yeah, I guess. Who would kill? I could go on and on. Yeah. Who would kill in this league? They would. I go on and on. And what is he talking about here? Are you all serious? Of these guys, yeah. There's no and way they And mind you, these guys were pretty KG when they were in the back end of their careers. Yeah. It was pretty KG. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you got any times I come in here in, in a no hair touch era, no suplex era. That's just stupid. In the 80s, man, the 90s, man. You imagine if these guys got all this, for the guys you just named, got the freedom to shake those shots, all them shooters you named, and, and with some guys taking <laughs> the whole league is scoring over 120 per game. Everybody, this is this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're scoring 110 or more, 120 or more. These guys yeah. will kill in the league. Yeah, I, I think he's way he's, off he's, on this he's, one. He's, he's, he's wild out. I love KD. I don't know, yeah. Balled out. That's it. Balled I mean, out. Even if you look at the reverse, don't get me wrong. I don't think they all could, but I would tell you they all players that's just universal. I think LeBron would be LeBron anytime you drop. LeBron would be LeBron. I think guys. I think KD would be fine just because you don't have guys like that. Like you don't have you don't have guys that's that tall that is that skilled that can do that stuff. But I think it's less people that translate now to years ago. In the reverse, yeah, because they can't handle the physicality. Yeah, a lot of those guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, KG is. I, I mean, I guess they must have. They must have talked them into that one. I would. I would have loved to see them do that. Have that conversation with somebody like like a Spreewell or like Baron Davis or one of them when they would have been laughing at him or something. Hey, K, I have on my list Baron Davis, and I can use Baron Davis. He's automatic. I know he's yeah. still. They would they would kill you you can't even imagine imagine the golden age of centers like Kareem said you got Shaq. What would Elijah Warren Robinson and Ewan do? <laughs> With no hand checking. Listen, we can't hand check you, we can't bump you in the back. Alonzo morning with no hand checking. <laughs> no bump. Come on, man. Yeah. Doug Curry yeah. will be an assassin right now in this league, Doug Curry. <laughs> yeah. With some shot. Come on. You get ready? Come on. Doug Curry will be crazy as league. He, he's yeah. All yeah. He would literally, he probably would be a max player in this league. He would be a max player because he would score 30 points. He'd be a, he'd seven threes a game. Thank you. 
yeah, he would be a max player. Some of those guys, you get them in good enough shape, they probably come back and play now. <laughs> it's probably people right now like, damn, I wish I was, I was still playing. I'm sure they are. There's mm -hmm. some guys like, man, you see Javid Jack's trying to get back in the game. He's like, wait a minute. So now they don't let you touch guards no more? <laughs> I, I saw him, man. I saw him on his G-League trying to do his thing, man. I was yeah, mad at him. Like, well, you figure, think about it. They can't hand check him no more. I think uh, I think KD, uh, KG would have been better off maybe going like one era back. Yeah. Like maybe talking about Clyde Frazier and those guys. And even some of those guys were killed. But I think he would have been better off making the case there. <laughs> <laughs> Will Chamberlain, Chamberlain might have averaged a hundred in the day. Can you put the peep on his back? Playing against these guys? Yeah, I think KG, uh, yeah, I think he's got caught up in the moment. Yeah, I, I, I think so. They probably was looking at him like, oh, man, I think you, it's probably people sitting at home laughing. I can imagine that. Yeah, you even think about uh, Clyde Drexler, right? Gary yeah. John Kent, you <laughs> I mean, you, it's, think about it this way. Reggie Miller's definitely a max player in this. Reggie Miller would be a max player. Imagine Chris, Chris Webber, no hand checking. Right. Yeah. There's all types of people. I mean, there's people, even guys, you Andre Karolinko with no hand checking and none of that stuff. <laughs> You can start naming anybody down the road. Basically, the only guys that could get stopped is the guys who didn't play, the guys on the bench. Yeah, I think KG was a bit, bit out of line on that one. Think about it this way. They had to change the rules because Mark Jackson was back and guards are down in that era. What would he do this era? Yeah, that's that's why they created the five-second rule, right? He was yeah. up for 15 seconds. What would, what would these guards do with Mark Jackson? Move out of the way. Yeah, he couldn't. Yeah, that's what he did. Move out, move out the way. Get the guy score and come back and try to score on another end. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that, that question is crazy. Yeah. From watching the game, I mean, this week or something, and through his own admission, it looks like Kim was not himself, man. I, I, for me, I, I'm hoping that it's, it's still a little bit of lingeringness from the knee injury. He's saying it's not, but he definitely does not look like himself. I think a part of it is uh, the, the lingering. Like you said, maybe the knee, maybe he's not being 100% honest there. And then part of it, that the lingering issue is probably playing with uh, with Tatum and Brown. Those guys are good, but it's, it's difficult when you're a guy like Kimba, who's used to having that ball in his hands, and those guys create shots for themselves. So now your job is pretty much bring the ball up the court, give it to Tatum, and then go sit in the corner and watch. You know, and that's not Kimba's game. Kimba needs the ball in his hands, heavy pick and roll offense. Like Kimba, uh, a healthy Kimba that is, would have been good on the Knicks, right? Because that's what the Knicks need, a guy who can break the defense down. Boston, not so much. Boston just needs a serviceable point guard which is why Jeff Teague or whoever it is, that's not their their biggest issue. Um, so I think that's probably what's affecting Kimba's game more than anything. And going back a step further, I think that's probably why uh, Kyrie wanted to get out of there too. Um, among other things, I think he sensed that Jason uh, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown didn't necessarily need him. You know, he couldn't run the offense the way he was accustomed to with the ball in his hand. So I think Kimba is just feeling the effects of that. Kimba's kind of been an injury prone his whole career. If you think about it, he's always been injured for the majority of his career. Um, I think the knee injury was kind of substantial. I think he needed more time to uh, rehab. Maybe he rushed a little bit. Um, it kind of put the team for the start of the season. I guess they tried to force him in the start lineup. He took a lot of game-winning game, I guess, when he shot, so to speak, and uh, he didn't come through. Um, sometimes the injury, you need two years to, to recoup, yeah. or a year and a half, no matter what sport it is. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, um, I'm a Kemba Walker fan, 
Uh, I like them a lot. It's like UConn days. Um, but sometimes, you know, injuries do pile up and to the fact, and, you know, he could be heading towards his uh, back end of his career on downslide. Never know. I hope not, but uh, it seems that way so far. Yeah, I, I think I think it's a combination of both. I think you're right, Phil. Like, he, he needed way more time than what he got to get back in the game. Plus, too, it is a combination of that. His game is like, sometimes you got to know your personnel. And the one thing I get to the good thing I get to tell is they know that the future is with Tatum and Brown. That's the young guy. That's where the future is. Bringing a guy like Kimba, they tried to put a big three, but... What they need really is a defensive point guard who can spot up and shoot three points. That's that guy, something like that, where, where they don't need the ball in their hands. They can just go to the corner, you know, go stand in the corner type of guy. You can't really have a ball dominant guy when you got two guys that's ball dominant. And when Marcus Smart comes, he's just as ball dominant too. So, and I don't think Timber's personality is such that he goes out there and kind of like, asserts himself in a way to say, okay, no, I'm doing it. He kind of tries to go with the flow. I think on Charlotte, because he, you know, because of the, the quality of the team, they pretty much had no choice but to, you know, like, listen, default Timber, like, listen, we don't have the players. We can't go and tell this guy that he shouldn't have the ball. So, listen, we just going, you know, he has the ball, I'm going to give it to us. We just got to be ready. Whereas, He's in the position now where he's got to be the guy that's got to be ready to take the shot. That's just not not who he's at. Usually, you don't get to like you like you said. That's usually when you're on the back end of your career, when you're on the backslide, when you become that guy that's the, the addition or something like. The, the difference would be like Ray Allen in the beginning of his career towards the end. In the beginning of Ray Allen's career, he had the ball in his hand. Towards the end, Ray Allen was spot up. He was catching and he was shooting. He was just having to be great at doing it, but I don't think Kemba, at least physically, his body may be at that point, but I think in his mind and his ability, he's not at that point where he feels he's spot up to the guy waiting for the shot. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. We From one point guard to another one, we got um, Kyle Lowry. When I watched the game, the Toronto games, I mean, we all see what Fred Blanchard can do. <laughs> I mean, and he, he he clearly is the better of the two right now. I mean, that's not even not even close. I mean, to, to take his minutes away and try to balance it out, right? They got them both out there at the same time. And even when you look at Norman Powell, I think the backcourt of Norman Powell and Van Fleet is probably the best backcourt option they have. Yeah. I mean, is it time for Kyle Lowry for them to trade Kyle Lowry or for Kyle Lowry to move on? Yeah, I would say so. Like you said, I think the best backcourt uh, the Raptors can put out there is, um, to start the game is, is Powell and Van Fleet. Um, Lowry's still good. I don't think he's he's done. It's just that given his contract, even though I know he's coming up on free agency, but given his contract, you don't necessarily want to pay a guy that type of money on a losing team, especially to just sit back and, and watch Van Fleet take over. So if you can get something for him, I think uh, you move on from him. And there's teams, like I said, I don't think Lowry's done. He's still uh, productive, and there's teams that could use him. I would say uh, the 76ers will be good for Lowry. Um, I would say the Clippers are probably another good destination for Lowry because the guy is tough. Um, he's still a tough defender. He can get to the hole. He can knock down the shot. In terms of the, uh, defending, a little bit of extra flopping here and there from Lowry. But I like him. I think he's tough. I, I just think uh, it's Van Fleet's time to, to start at the point guard instead of going with those two in the, in the starting backcourt. Plus, besides that, um, he's in the G League now, but you have Malachi, uh, Malachi Flynn as well, who showed promise um, in like the, the early going of, of the G League. Um, so I would say, yeah, it's time to move on from Lowry. I don't think he's done. Um, but yeah, I would I would probably go with Van Fleet and Powell and, and get whatever I can for Lowry. <clears throat> Lowry's a good player. Um, I think his time was up in Toronto. You know, he's a, he's a legend out there. You know, um, they're kind of trying to rebuild, I guess. Um, I mean, he seems like the man would be a good fit for him. We'll look into the two. Yeah. Then look at some break handling, handling um, the basketball. Um, Clippers, are, of course. 
um, he'd probably be a good friend of Boston too. He's not really ball dominant, you know. And uh, I can see him in the corner spot. I don't think he's a better shooter than Kimber. Then again, I'm not quite sure. Maybe he's better shooter from a spot up position than Kimber. But Kimber, could, I guess, plays on a shot and pull up and, and score on you. But uh, Morris is a good player. Is he know to put him over the hump? Depends where he goes. Yeah. Clippers is a fair point. Dallas, um, I don't think so because KP six is uh, health is an issue over there. But you put him on the Clippers though, he got something going on. And he has chemistry with uh, Ibaka and, and Kawhi already, so why not? Yeah. The only thing too I'd like to add is that uh, I think if they do move on from Lowry, in my opinion, I think they need to do it respectfully because I kind of the way they did DeMar DeRozan, I think it's a business. We get that. But the way they did him was a bit unfortunate, I think. So I don't think that franchise could afford to have another DeMar DeRozan type of situation on their hands. I think right. they have to find some way to, to do it respectfully where um, it doesn't leave that taste in the fan base's mouth again, as well as Lowry's mouth, out of respect for him, I would say. But it is a business. So this week with him, uh, we had a, a team. We had the Nets with him affected by COVID-19. Katie had to miss the week. Um, for me, I, I learned a couple of things. That I, I learned that Katie is a bigger MVP candidate than what I thought because the other two guys are just not leaders or don't know what they're doing. So the first game they came out there, I was surprised to see that they lost to the Detroit Pistons with both of those guys playing. Then, I guess the next game they lost, you had Kyrie go claim that we need to do better, and then he stepped up and they won a game. So they basically went one and three without KB. For me, looking at the teams they faced and looking at the East, there's no way they should have lost that. They, they should have been able to, the teams that they particularly played weren't the top, you know, the top teams in the East. So they, they should have did a lot better considering they had they still had Joe Harris, you still have Harden, you still got Kyrie. I mean, you got Jeff Green. You have some players on there. They still should have did better than that. I mean, when I look at the Nets, listen, can the Nets survive any type of more COVID injuries or, or a loss to KD or, God forbid, KD gets hurt or something? Could they survive? Yeah certainly doesn't look like it. And I think it goes back to, even when KD is out there, I think it goes back to the defense. It's just KD's offense is that good where it makes up for the lack of defense. And now you lose those 30 points a game or whatever it is, and you're not playing no defense on top of it. Forget it, you know? I think it's, it's a combination. I think they could afford to lose you don't want them to lose anybody. I'm not advocating for anybody to get hurt or anything like that, but they could afford to lose, I would say, either or in terms of Kyrie and, and Harden. Um, but KD is definitely the guy they can afford to lose, I would say. Um, one thing I didn't like, too, uh, during during this time when KD was out, is Kyrie, again, made those comments about the team looks very average and, you know, it, from a leader perspective, you're supposed to be a leader. You, you lose a couple of games. Granted, I understand you're, you you want to win every game, but you lose a couple of games, and now you're in the media talking about the team looks very average. That's I think that's, you know, rubs your teammates the wrong way. If I'm on your team, and the first thing you do is go in the media and talk about how average we look, knowing that KD is out, you know, that just rubs me the wrong way. Kyrie had a chance to prove that he was a leader, a can be a leader, and he failed. Yeah, yeah. Good point. And Kyrie, Kyrie is what, what Kyrie is. He's self-centered, and uh, you know he could he could act like he's a, he's a he probably is a good teammate. I'm not gonna go that far. He probably is a good teammate, but as a leader, he's not a leader nowhere near it. He doesn't have the DNA whatsoever. I think James Harden would be a better leader than he was after uh, KD. But without KD, they are a non-playoff team. Period. Uh, certain teams that they lost to, they should not lost to because they were a better talented team. You got Kyrie Hart in the backcourt. You playing against other other teams like the Cavaliers again or somebody else. You should be beating those teams. Yeah. The Wizards. You should be beating those yeah. teams without KD. 
know, it wasn't like he was playing top tier teams. He was playing, you know, lower tier teams and losing. I, I gotta say this. I, I mean, I think I think for one thing, I think they need to have a discussion because even without Davey there, I don't know why James Harden just thinks he's supposed to take this back seat or roll. I don't want to see the 19 point James Harden. I don't want to see that guy no more. Especially without KD there. Without KD there, I'm supposed to see 35 points. Yeah, we, we just, you know, they traded away the 19 point James Harden. His name is Karis LeVert. Yeah. If you wanted 19 points, you could have kept Karis LeVert for a lot cheaper. Right. So you didn't bring Harden in for that. You brought him in to be Harden. And I wonder how much of that factors into Kyrie's, um, like his mindset, right? Is it one of those things where James Harden almost feels like he can't be himself because then Kyrie may feel some type of way? Or I wonder how much of it is that type of dynamic too. But I, I want Harden out there shooting almost every every time down the court. You know, how many step backs has Harden taken since he's been on the Nets? I don't always see him doing it anymore. It's like this guy, he, there's no like, way Harden should score 19 points when the team was scoring 130. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would agree. The craziest thing is he watched the game, and it seems like to me, I, to his credit, it seems like Joe Harris is more aggressive than, than James Harden. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. Yeah, it's no, it's no way. I mean, I, I think they just they don't have a have a real a real chance if these guys don't get it together. And I mean. Right now, KD can't afford to miss a game, and that's going to be tough because even right. with coming off an injury, they're going to sit him out some games just for rest, but they need to figure that out. And one thing, uh, another thing as it pertains to the Nets is um, there's rumors circulating that they are looking into possibly trading uh, Spencer Dinwiddie because I guess they, they feel he may not sign back. Is he a free agent this summer or next summer? Um, I'm sure he's a good player. Yeah, sure, but there's, yeah, there's rumors about them possibly looking into trading him out of concern that he may not want to be back. I, I think it's a good move. I think it's a real good move. You know why? Because I think that his value is really high, and that's probably the only way they're going to get a quality big one. And they said teams are, are, are interested even when I'm going down with the ACL injury because the, the thought process is you get him in on your team now, even if he's a free agent at the end of the summer. Uh, Bird right. Yeah, exactly. You bring them in and you can extend them for more money assuming that, you know, you bring them into a situation and he seems to like the organization. So, like you said, that may be their, their way of leveraging getting the big man, which is kind of crazy too because you look at the whole Jack, Jared Allen situation. I don't even know if they necessarily had to get rid of Jared Allen in order to uh, complete this Harden deal. But that was a little strange. Yeah, that was kind of strange to me. I, I didn't think that, I th- I, if anything, I mean, I think that those deals are personal deals because if I had to choose between Allen and Jordan, Jordan would have been the one in the deal. Yeah, I think he's he has some type of connection with KD and, and maybe Kyrie there. Um, but yeah, they definitely need help uh, in terms of big men. They need defensive help all over the court. And we already noticed, like you said, that KD, uh, that is, can't afford to, to miss a game. I stand severe trouble, which is troubling in itself. Given that you supposedly have these uh, all-world superstars. If you have a big three and you can't beat Detroit and one of them out. <laughs> you know, granted, anybody can lose on any given night, but to see Jeremy Grant going off for 30 something points, <laughs> they have career nights. <laughs> That's definitely concerning. And then, like you say, even with all of them out there, you have Cavaliers, right? Colin Sexton, looking like Prime Allen Iverson. So they definitely have some, some concerns with the Nets for sure. Too many bad losses. So, another, unfortunately, this week we lost um, Tom Konochowski to us in a, a big-time scout, which provided a lot of opportunity for, for New York area places and stuff, scouting and get them in good places. And, I mean, I think he'll be sorely missed. 
I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, for sure. Rest in peace. Um, top high school scout, like you said, high school players, especially coming out of New York. So, a big loss for sure. You guys should see him a lot during the uh, game, got your gym. Never spoke to him, but I always see him in our same spot. He always stood out, very tall guy, very accurate with, with, with his evaluation of players. I read a lot of his articles and a lot of um, high school magazines, like, I guess, like Blue Ribbon Report, Stan Smith, or Stan, uh, Steve Smith, I should say, back in the days, years ago, I should buy those magazines. He had an article, full page of uh, very good info on anybody across the world, especially in New York City, by the way. Uh, he will be missed in the uh, high school community. Yeah, I, I think I think you know, especially now the way New York football is, I don't think that we have enough people actually scouting our kids and giving them that type of look as we used to. We used to have like a real yeah. At one point, New York was turning out point guards all over the country. I mean, you'd have Bobby Crimmins in that dose in that army catch up gym all the time. That's how he ended up with the in the end. I mean, we had. Okay. Yeah, it was the golden day. Right. But now, you know, this can be tough. We, we, could, we could definitely have used that. Hopefully we get somebody from this area to fill our shoes. It would happen. Yeah, agreed. So, I just want to talk about one last thing. This week, Dustin Pedroia retired. After a two-year career, I mean, I look looking at him, but I mean, he's a model of consistency at the position. Put up good numbers throughout his career. I, I mean, I think I think the game will miss him or something. I mean, the last couple of years, he a lot of injuries and he was hurt. But he tried to make one last push and it just didn't, didn't work out for him. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think it's time for him uh, to retire. I think he had a great career. You know, being a Yankees fan, you know, always going against him, so to speak, right, with, with Boston. So that was fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I think it was time for him to hang it up, just based on injuries. But a guy, like you said, had, had a hell of a career. You know, hell of a player, I would say. He's a three-time champion, like a four-time All-Star, a definite New York Yankee killer. <laughs> Not getting it twisted. <laughs> For sure. Very good player. Um, if he goes to Hall of Fame, I wouldn't be mad at it at all. No. You know, I'm mad at it at all. But um, definitely a good player. For sure, without question. He was always one of those guys that I, just because he was a Yankee killer, I wouldn't have mind seeing him in, in pinstripes, kind of like the, the whole Jacoby Ellsbury thing. Yeah. Like, we need to bring this guy over here. Right. <laughs> I think we ended up getting Ellsbury, and unfortunately, he was kind of like already at that point where Droy is now. Yeah. Uh, where he was a bit injury prone and stuff like that, but. I always wanted uh, Pedroia to be in, in pinstripes just because he was Yankee killer. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> that one last thing I want to go over, I just seen it flash by. Um, we have a Matt Harvey signing. Matt Harvey signed a minor league deal for the Orioles. I mean, I will say this. I mean, uh, Matt Harvey was in my team. Part of his thing is that after that stretch in the playoffs, he's never seen the quite be the same. And I think they might have overworked his arm. He might have pitched too many innings. Well, we definitely know in one game he pitched too many innings. <laughs> but I think that his psyche has never been the same. I mean, do you think Matt Harvey can stop the down there in Baltimore? I think he's, uh, like you said, I think that postseason probably killed, killed his arm. So I think he's probably done. Um, but to see him get another shot, if that's what he's looking to do, isn't a bad a bad thing. But I think he's probably done. Yeah, he's done. But I think <laughs> Orioles, when I pick the tires, so to speak, you know, it can't hurt. But he's yeah. definitely done. Agreed, yeah. 
So again, guys, listen, I thank you guys for coming on. Listen, as always, enjoy talking to you guys, talking about sports. Listen, Reem, you got any final words for this week? Uh, just my usual, it's, it's a pleasure being here with you guys to talk sports. Fortunate to be able to do it for another week, um, given what's going on in the world today. So um, just blessed to be here and, and be able to uh, talk sports. I have two things to say, fellas. Thank you, Sanjay Bruce, to my league deal. Nice. I am mad at that. And the same time last year, Brady, Fournette, Gronk, and uh, AB was not in the NFL. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. One was a wrestler. Yeah. One was in jail. One <laughs> got cut. One was a free agent. A year later, nice. it's a bowl champions. Only in sports, nice. man. Only in sports. Only in sports. And I, I just got a final word. Everybody, everybody get discredited them or not give them the credit they serve. Utah Jazz, just keep winning those games. And we're saying San Antonio Spurs creeping up, beating up on teams, beating up on big teams. Cause keep the eye on them. That's true. Yeah, That's true. Well said. But thanks again, guys. Have a great night. Always enjoy, fellas, man. Enjoy. Later. Later.